You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. God bless football. I'm Stu Gatz. We'll be doing this every single week, every Friday on the Levitard feed throughout the football season. Myself, Billy Gill, will be joined by friends Chris Sims and Mike Golick Sr. I'm very excited about this. Billy, are you excited for God bless football? God bless football, Stu Gatz. God bless football. I'm with you. That's all we should just say. God bless football. Week two, huh? We are week two of the NFL season, week three of the college season and again Chris Sims is going to join us here in just a minute Mike Golick Sr. will join us in a little bit I am told we have a daily NFL fantasy game for our listeners so this is uh this is exciting it is it's actually kind of cool because we have you and I have been wanting to do kind of daily fantasy with listeners for a while and now we can so if you want to sign up and join the league there's a thousand spots available go to dkng.co slash Lebitard. You can play against me and Stugatz every week. Anyone else also from the show who wants to join, maybe we can get Golik to join, but he's doing like a thousand things, so I don't know that he's going to be doing it. But yeah, go there, sign up, play against us, win, you know, $3,000. Yeah, yeah. Okay, (laughs) $3,000. Until they figure out that we're doing this and someone's like, how how did this happen? Wait, so how many people can can enter into this contest? Do you know? A thousand people can enter. Okay. Uh, Well, I guess like... If we're entering, then less than a thousand people. So like nine hundred ninety-eight people besides Stugatz and myself can enter and right. compete against yeah. us. And this is uh you know, this happens to me every time I'm in a fantasy league, Stugatz. And I don't know why it does, because it seems like the people that I do fantasy with don't really know me. Where like there's this expectation because like I work on a sports at the time radio show or at, for ESPN or whatever, they're like, I'm supposed to be this fantasy football expert, and I am not. And I'm gonna tell you right now, right. in one of my leagues this year which is like the fun friends and family league. Mm. Last year's champion, uh, who was my wife, had the first pick in the draft and drafted Travis Kelsey, which no one would think is the number one pick in a fantasy draft. Uh But somehow she will end up winning this league again. And I'm there kind of following all of my fantasy uh, preparation and research and all that stuff. And I'm going to lose again. And I'm probably not going to make the playoffs. So if you want to embarrass myself or Stu Goss, go to dkng.co slash lebitard. And then you can tell all your friends and family and anyone else they want to brag to how much more you know about fantasy sports than we do. Because 
I don't know anything about it. And I think that I'm going to do well, and I try, and I always fail. I maintain if you use the right words, okay, you have Mm -hmm. the right cadence, you can make anyone a fantasy expert. No one knows what the hell they're talking about. With all due respect to my friend Field Yates or Matthew Barry, okay, we're all guessing. No one had Jameis Winston as the number one fantasy quarterback after week one. Not a single person on the planet yet. Five touchdowns, zero interceptions. It's quite the racket. I mean, yes. you could go on there and you could basically yes. say anything and then they'll perform and someone stubs a toe and then they're out for six weeks and then they're worthless on your team. Can we create a new character called Matthew Cherry? <laughs> what is Matthew Cherry? I'm going to grab a random friend and I'm going to teach him like, hey, go listen to Barry. Go listen to Yates. See how they deliver their information. Figure out how to do that and then come on and be our fantasy expert. Matthew Cherry. <laughs> Matt, come on and be our Matthew Cherry. <laughs> Are you disappointed with what a lousy name that is? I'm actually more disappointed in myself for not getting the Berry Cherry joke. Because it wasn't great, but I I totally missed it. So we're going to do that every single week with our friends over at DraftKings. Where the first 1,000 people or 998 people will be able to enter a lineup, compete against me and Billy. The winner's going to get $3,000 courtesy of our friends over at DraftKings. God bless football. With that said, let's bring on our uh, our first guest. He is the best in the business when it comes to breaking down quarterbacks, telling you which quarterbacks coming out of college are going to be good, and then breaking them down on a week-to-week basis. He is my friend, Chris Sims. All right, my friend Chris Sims is with us. Check out the Unbuttoned podcast. He's going to be doing this every week. I'm super excited for this. Also, he is on Sunday Night Football, PFT with Mike Florio. Sims, you're everywhere, man. I don't know about that. But, I I mean, yeah, it's going good. I guess it's a good problem to have when people want you. Uh, But but, uh, I'm not like Dan Leventard or Stu Gatz yet. I'm not on that (laughs) level. So when I get there, then you can really start calling me big time. I think you surpassed me. I mean, maybe not Levitard, but you definitely you sprinted. I right definitely past didn't me. surpass. I definitely didn't surpass <laughs> Levitard. I saw his contract details, and they're not his are greater than mine. So he's obviously bigger. <laughs> Wait, where'd you see these details? I want to see these well, details. Well, maybe I just heard rumors. Either way, I know it was a lot of freaking money. Okay, ooh, I watched my mouth for the first one. Sims, I got to tell you, man, you told me Zach Wilson was going to be the best of the uh, the rookie quarterback class. The first half for me was difficult. Just as a Jet fan, it was difficult, sure. all right? And I was depressed at halftime. I really was. I was cursing your name. <laughs> so, <laughs> but then I finally saw Zach Wilson. And I think I finally saw what you've seen all along, where he was given some time in the second half. And when he is able to step into throws, my goodness, did he look right. good. And I love the fact they were down at halftime and a rookie quarterback on the road got his team back into the football game. But again, Chris, the larger point, when given the proper amount of time, that guy can make every throw, and he's accurate. A hundred percent. You know, again, there are going to be some halves like that for your Jets football team this year. You know, you, you're, of course, kind of in a rebuilding mode. You've been probably hurt by injuries as bad as any other team in football, except for maybe the Baltimore Ravens. So you're going to have some moments. And even in the first half, you know, don't always blame the quarterback. Yeah, there was protection problems. One guys were physically getting beat. From what I saw, too, and I haven't studied that game on film yet, but they exposed some of the protection plans as well, which is on the coach. So, yeah, it didn't look pretty early. But, yes, I- I'm glad you saw what-, what I've always seen, at least when I started to study him in the draft process. He is a special thrower of the football. The arm is legit, quick release. 
You know, you saw the throw on the run. I yes. mean, the guy's a four or five type of athlete. And I think it will only get better. The, you know, the more comfortable they get with him, Jamison Crowder, they'll get him back off the COVID list. But I think what you said is the big thing, Stu Gotts. The uphill climb, getting his butt kicked. Oh, I don't know. He's not real big. Can he handle getting get beat up in the NFL? He got killed in the first half. Yeah. But still stood in there in the second half with people around him and made some throws like, especially the throw up the left sideline to Denzel Mims when he steps up in the pocket. Come on. That's like, that's Josh Allen, Rogers, Mahomes stuff. And as long as, hey, the goal should be just to keep him healthy this year. Just don't put too much on his plate and get him hurt. Because I really think the guy's got a superstar future. Yeah, I was super impressed. And I got to tell you, I wonder if you agree with this. Sam Darnold, like this whole thing, he exacted some sort of revenge on the Jets. You put up 19 points at home on the Jets. Those 19 points would not be good enough to beat any other team in the NFL. Well, I don't think Sam Darnold's as special as Zach Wilson. Yeah, I think Zach Wilson has the, the type of ability to, as he gets comfortable and they just get a little bit better, he'll be able to carry the football team through some rough moments. No, I don't think that's what Sam Darnold is. But Sam did play good. You can see they got talent around him. Yes. You know, they should have probably been up by more than 14 nothing early and a few, you know, they, they blew some opportunities and he, he missed some throws that really would have put the dagger in the Jets early on in the football game. But a good start for him. Hey, listen, the one thing I'll say, I like Sam and – I'm sure he had some nerves playing against his old team and wanting to prove it, prove them wrong, uh, everything like that. But but a good start for them. Carolina is one of those teams, two guys. I would say watch out for a little bit though. A lot of talent on both sides of the ball. They're young, you know. They're not battle tested yet, but I do like their team and roster. Speaking of rookie quarterbacks, what did you make of Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence? Because Trevor Lawrence was just slinging it everywhere. I mean, he had three touchdowns, three interceptions, <laughs> 6,000 yards in his first week. Right. <laughs> and Mac Jones, not as many, but, you know, one touchdown, no interceptions. It, I mean, they seem to be doing okay. Right. Mac Jones was – I think Mac Jones really, like, kind of right what we saw all preseason. It was the same guy. You know, he's nuanced. He's very mature for a quarterback as far as – moving in the pocket, you know, throwing the appropriate ball, ooh, touch over a linebacker, oh, I got to drive this into a hole. Um, oh, this guy's about to get crushed over the middle. Let me slow him down so he can protect himself. That's where Mac Jones is really impressive. He sees the field and goes to the right place with the ball all the time. And like Billy, this too, don't forget this. That Dolphins defense is the real deal holy field. I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you, when you look at their corners, their D-line, you know, they made a lot of quarterbacks look stupid last year. And let's not forget also that staff is from New England. They know the New England system. So I, I think that was a big win for Mac Jones and how he played. And again, they're not super explosive at wide receiver. So it's not like they have people that scare you that way. Uh, I thought it was a good start. And at the end of the day, Billy, right? I mean, he gave them a chance to win the football game. Damn, they were down there at easy chip shot field goal range. And then Damian Harris fumbled. So Good start for him, and I think it will only get better, and it'll get better because not every team they play is going to know their system like those Dolphins coaches. Trevor Lawrence, yeah, you saw – I mean, you're right. He slung it everywhere. You see talent, but you also see a rawness and, you know, a looseness with the ball, which, which is why I made him my number two quarterback in the draft. Right. I did not think he was as pro-ready as Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. And, you know – 
for all the impressive throws. Like, I watched all of Trevor Lawrence's throws last night before Monday Night Football started. Man, he makes some good ones where you just go, wow, that's awesome. But damn, I'll still say what I've always been saying. He misses a few too many what I would just go, that's, that should be completed in the NFL. He's open. You can't lose control of that football and airmail it or throw it five feet behind the guy and it gets intercepted when you're running out to the left. So, you know, some mechanical things in his throwing motion that he's got to work on, uh, but it's an uphill climb for them. The, the Jags are a total rebuild. Everybody's new. It's new players, young players. They got it all going on, and they're definitely going to have moments of looking like crap like they did on Sunday. Sims, just back to Carolina for a second. Sneaky good team yeah. because that division is not as good. You still have the Bucks in that division, but the Saints without Breeze, Winston looked good. But that because the, yeah. the, 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 they got better, that division got a little bit easier, right? Well, yeah, I don't, you know, it's like the Bucks are going to be the Bucks. We know they're going to be at the top. I don't know if you're going to see much of a fall off from the Saints. I don't. I, I mean, the Saints are going to be right in the thick of things. You know, the thing we got to look at, too, yeah, they miss Drew Brees and maybe all the stuff he can, you know, do in that Sean Payton offense with experience. And of course, he's so accurate. But at the same time, they missed an element of stretching the field with Drew Brees that Jameis Winston's going to bring to the team. And that's going to make them harder to defend as well. But no, my point with Carolina is really just that throughout the preseason, I watched them closely and I just like the look of their football team. You know, they got two stud defensive ends in Utergross Matos and Brian Burns. They got athletic middle linebackers in Shaq Thompson. You know, they got Derek Brown at D tackle, the top 10 pick from two years ago in the draft. You know, good corner play. You know, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, McCaffrey. You know, so. There's something there. It's just a young team. They're going to have to kind of prove themselves they can win close games, beat a few better teams. But I think they're one of those teams that's going to hang around and be in the playoff conversation come December. I don't know if they get in, but they'll be in that combo. Help us dissect this because me, Billy, Levitard, we were all discussing this on the show with Tua, who's in his second year. And I believe he's 8-3 and as a starter. But a lot of people down here are concerned that Tua is more of a game manager than he is a quarterback that can go out and win your football games basically by yourself uh, when he has to. So what's your evaluation of Tua so far? Well, it's looked better. Like the preseason looked better, 100%. But I have those same concerns that people down in Miami have. No doubt about it. You know, it's just not a game-changing arm. And he's not a game-changing athlete. You know, he's got... He's got good, like, feel in the pocket. He's very quick with how he can bounce around and change arm angles. You know, he's got a good feel for making the appropriate throws. I do like his motion. But, yes, to this point, you know, like, 8-3 and three record. Okay, yeah, great there, too. They were a good team. They managed them last year. And I don't know, how many of those eight wins did Ryan Fitzpatrick come in in the end and actually help them win the game? But right. two was started and got, like, the win. So I need to see more of Tua. I do. I'm not sold on it. Obviously, the Dolphins aren't sold on it. I think the last time I was with you guys, I mean, I know the Deshaun Watson talk is very real. I mean, 100%. There's people in that organization that want him. And I think the thing that I look at that just jumped out, like when I evaluated in the preseason, and then even in the first game, and I haven't watched that game on film yet either, but look at how often they throw the ball down the middle of the field. And that, to me, is because of him, because he doesn't have the power in his arm to stretch the field outside the numbers, deep outs, go routes. Yeah, he could throw a fade 15, 20 yards down the field, and Devontae Parker can go up and get it, or Jalen Waddle, and I give him credit for that. But I don't know if that's like sustainable to think you're going to do that week in, week out. So 
yeah, I do need to see more. But the one thing I'll say, they're a good team, and that's a coaching staff that knows how to manage an offense and a quarterback position. So the results are still going to be solid down there just because I, I respect like that staff and what they've done with the roster as well. How long of a leash do you think Tua should have? Like, How long do you think you give him before you say we need to do something else? Because unfortunately, what happens with him is everybody compares him to Herbert from last year, right? right. Yeah, Herbert right. had a year that Tua and no one else really has had before. So he's still trying to figure it out. He's eight, nine games into his career. He doesn't have an overpowering arm. But how long do you go before you say, you know what? I don't know that this is it. First off, he's never going to be Herbert. Like, that's done. Like, uh, That's done. You're, 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 call, you're calling that right now, Sims. I'm calling that right now. I tried to tell everybody that before the draft last You did. Everybody thought I was a Tua hater. Right. I made Herbert right. the number two quarterback behind Burrow. Yep, you I know, know, I tried to tell people Herbert's ceiling was higher than Burrow. So that is done. Yeah. I mean, you saw, again, the game last weekend. I mean, that Washington defense is good. It's a laser show when Herbert's out there. Zing, zang, zoom. Balls down the field, outside the numbers, rockets down the middle. It's everything. He's never going to be Justin Herbert. I think the leash, though, Billy, that's a good question, should be long. You drafted him as a number five pick in the draft. You got to go all in on trying to make it work for the guy. And I don't think you look to make a trade for Deshaun Watson or anything right now for this year. Ride the team out. Let's see what he can do. It's not like the worst thing to manage a quarterback. Not everybody's going to be Mahomes and Rodgers and Josh Allen. You know, we've seen – Lesser quarterbacks go to the AFC, NFC Championship game, the Super Bowl. So it's not out of the realm of possibility they can be real good. But where they got to figure out is like what we're talking about. When it starts to come time to play the cream of the crop, is he going to be good enough to get them over the hump, get in the playoffs, win a few playoff games, and do that? That's going to be, I think, the ultimate like determination on, wait, can we go with this guy going forward? Or do we need a little bit more of a special player that can make those three or four plays a game to where, wait, we didn't play our best today, but we came out with a victory because our quarterback's a freak show. And I think that's probably what scares them a little bit about Tua right now. Sims, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Billy and I both think that Rodgers was tanking. Do you agree? <laughs> I says, what the hell was that? I mean, <laughs> well, it was uh, like, so I watched that on film this morning. I, I've watched, I think, five games on film, both sides of the ball, right? Uh, and the, I was, of course, intrigued by that because, yeah, did Rodgers play bad? Did they just get their ass whooped all together? You know, yeah, Rodgers didn't do great, but I would, it's like, I would like to sit there and watch film with you guys and go, wait, let's watch this. What do you want Aaron Rodgers to do? Go back and look at his completions. His completions, the guys aren't even open. So <laughs> the incompletions are a disaster. This New Orleans Saints whooped the shit out of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and to the extent to this point, Billy and, and Stu Gatz, where they were so confident that they were going to whip the shit out of the Green Bay Packers that when Green Bay got run sets, they still played two deep safeties, and they were like, nah, we're not going to let you throw a play-action pass and catch us off guard and throw an 80-yard touchdown pass. You guys aren't that tough and physical, and we'll man up with our six- and seven-man box, and you won't do crap. And then when it comes down to pass, they didn't even really blitz them either. The front four got there. They got to keep seven guys in coverage, and it was just an all-around ass-whooping. And it went on the other side of the ball, too. I don't look at Green Bay and go, it's a super talented team. I go, it's a good team, a real good team with a superstar, awesome quarterback who fools us. I think you've heard me say that before. 
And I'm going to be interested to see where this goes throughout the year. The other thing I like people to notice, like people like to say DeMonte Adams is the best wide receiver in football. Bullshit. Bullshit. I mean, you saw you saw Tyree kill the other day. He's not Tyree kill. All right. No, negative ghost rider. Never any day of the week. He's not DeAndre Hopkins. He's not DK Metcalf. He's none of those guys. He is more like reliant on the system and Rogers throwing him lasers. And now, oh, wait, he threw a slant laser, slant laser. Oh, double move. Let's fake it. And then he gets that opportunity up down the field. But when it comes down to playoff game against Jalen Ramsey, one-on-one, Marshawn Lattimore, one-on-one the other day, no. And that's where people got to get off that crap, too. I hear people say, he's the best receiver in football. He's the best fantasy receiver in football. That doesn't make you the best receiver in football. Unbutton Podcast, check it out. PFT uh, with Mike Florio and also uh, Football Night in America every Sunday night. Chris Sims, a massive star with us every week here. I'm so proud of you, Sims. I really am. Thanks, so- man. Thanks, man. Hey, like I always say, I don't know if I'd be here if it wasn't for you and Dan Levitard. I'm dead serious. You know, <laughs> our first quarterback ranking, the 70th quarterback in football, Blake Bortles. And to Billy, <laughs> to your point, with managing a team, there we go. I mean, he was the 70th best quarterback in football, and they went to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> You're right. It doesn't always have to be about the freaking quarterback. And they had a lead at halftime, I believe. Did they not? <laughs> they did. 20-10, I think, in the third quarter. So here's what happens with quarterbacks. Like, we have Joe Burrow come out last year, then he gets injured, and we forget – Joe Burrow had the best college season that we have ever seen. So what you saw from Joe Burrow in his first week back with Jamar Chase, who played exceptionally well, uh, his former teammate at LSU. Uh, Are you still sticking to what you said before last year's draft, that Burrow is the best quarterback from that draft? It's close. I don't know. It is, right? Yeah, Yeah, it's it's close. You know, of course, Burrow Burrow was awesome before he got hurt. So good. Right now, yeah, so good. He is some slippery SOB, man. And the way he can move in the pocket, make throws. I mean, his arm is not like, oh, my gosh, what a laser or like a gun. But it's good enough to make every throw. And he can make them all appropriately. And he just has an unbelievable feel for the game. He really does. I was worried about him. I, I was. Because I heard things in training camp that he wasn't feeling physically 100%. You know, mentally, he wasn't feeling 100%. I don't know if there was like a combination of quarterback receiver that had more pressure on them week one than Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. But like, I was really happy to see the results. I mean, you know, again, that game got made closer. It was 21 to seven. They were on their own 30 yard line and they went for it on fourth and one. Like what the hell are you doing Cincinnati Bengals? What the hell are you doing? But it was a great start for Joe Burrow. He did look good. I don't think we're going to see the mobility we saw, you know, before the injury last year that might not come around till week eight or nine or so but he's so smart and he understands the offenses and defenses he'll get away with just playing in the pocket and being subtle moving and you know within the pocket right now before he can make some of those magic plays we saw last year uh not worried about josh allen are you after one game i mean it was it, it, he kind of reverted back to where he was two years ago for a game you know right uh, yeah i mean i'm not worried no you know Listen, Pittsburgh is like one of those teams, and you see, you go, damn, we got to open up against Pittsburgh. That those crazy mother there, like just <laughs> one badass after another, and then they do a lot of creative stuff on the back end. They're a hard team to prepare for, and Pittsburgh had a really good game plan. They really did. Their front four did a phenomenal job. Of really, the whole game, they didn't blitz or compromise their secondary. It's controlled chaos is what I call Pittsburgh's coverage at the back end. You're like, 
wait, I don't know what coverage this is. This guy went this way. The safety jumped this guy. The linebacker's running over here. And it confuses offenses. They had a really good game plan and did some things where, you know, they bracket digs. So if he goes in or out, he's not going to be open. There's a guy there. And then it's, oh, wait, after that, my next read is Cole Beasley underneath. And they'd have two guys kind of waiting for him. It's a good coach defense, let alone they got talent. And like you guys know, when you can get after the quarterback with just four, it is a huge advantage. Just like the Super Bowl with the Bucks against Mahomes. Yeah. It's one extra guy in the background to mess with and disguise. And when you have talented guys like that, man, those windows seem real tight. And then the front four is getting close to you and you're double checking. Am I seeing things right? But I'm not worried. They're still going to be very good, and Josh Allen's still going to be very good. They were this close to really having complete control of that football game. He missed a few throws. They dropped a few throws, and then they had a fourth-down conversion that they missed that really changed the game. Is Tomlin – take Belichick out of the conversation. Tomlin, the best coach in football? Oh, oh, that is a good one there. Tomlin is, without a doubt, the best motivator in football. That's what I'll say for sure. I don't know if I'm going to give him the edge – over Sean Payton or Andy Reid quite yeah, He's right in that class. Like, he's in the next class. It's debatable. That's all I'd say. There's Belichick, and then there's about four or five other coaches below them where, you know, if you said it was Tomlin or Billy said it was Andy Reid or Sean Payton, I'd go, yeah, I get it. They're, they're all awesome, and you'd want them to be your head coach. So Sean Payton's an interesting one because you hear all these guys, they're the quarterback whisper. It was Adam Gase. It's Matt Rule in Carolina. But when you consider what Sean Payton has done, what he did with Drew Brees, he found Tony Romo, what he's done with Taysom Hill, and now what he's done with Jameis Winston. Is he the guy? Is he the guy you want coaching your quarterback? He is the guy. I mean – I know he liked Zach Wilson this year, like me. Like, right. I, I know some people down there that he was saying, like, kind of the same things I was saying. Like, I see Rodgers and Mahomes with Zach Wilson. Let's not forget, he he was going to pick Patrick Mahomes the next pick when the Chiefs traded up. I mean, that's well documented. They were laying in the weeds and going to draft Patrick Mahomes at 11. The Chiefs jumped them because they knew it, and they ended up drafting Marshawn Lattimore. But, yes, I would say he is the best quarterback whisperer Game planner, you know, him, Josh McDaniels, Shanahan are the best game planners in football. And, like, here's a smart thing he did. Early on, he wasn't going to let Jameis Winston mess the game up. He was really conservative. It's almost like he was going to prove the point, like, hey, we don't need you doing magic tricks and backflips and stupid crap to win a football game here in New Orleans. We're good enough to just do it the old-fashioned way. And I think he got him into the game in a nice, like, fashion to where he didn't put too much on his shoulders. And then he got relaxed, and they started to open up the field, and Jameis played really good. But, yeah, Sean Payton is amazing. One of the best offensive minds we've ever seen in football. You mentioned earlier uh, watching film with you. Do you know how much money I would pay to watch film with you? I mean, let's do it. Come on. I wish we could. I know. I wish we could because that's really what motivates me to watch film is to, like, you know, bust narratives, things people are saying where I go, that's not true. I just watched that. And I know football, and that's wrong. And Film doesn't so lie, Sims, right? Well, that's where I like to do it, and I do. I think, you know, there's times where I would love to sit there and watch with like guys like you where I could go, look, we're saying this, but this is what's realistically happening. And, you know, sometimes there's a disconnect there between the media and what's actually happening and, and everything. 
Chris, we've talked about Mac Jones. We've talked about Zach Wilson. We've talked about Trevor Lawrence, but we have not talked about the biggest debut that we had in the NFL. And that was Drew Brees and an incredible (laughs) head of lettuce. Now you have watched countless hours of tape. You break down all the quarterbacks. Where was that hiding? And what was it like in person? (laughs) You're going to get me... You're going to get me in trouble, man. I don't know what to say. You know? Well, Breeze is new there. But, You've been around for a but, while. <laughs> well, like, first off, I enjoyed my weekend with Breeze altogether because we were in Tampa for the opener. And then, of course, you know, Sunday night with the Rams in Chicago. Awesome guy. It's awesome to be in a room with a guy that, you know, I can really talk football and quarterback stuff with. And listen, I mean, I'm like the rest of the world. We got done with the pregame show on Thursday night. And, like, I text family members like, hey, how did the show look? And I I look at my phone and all of a sudden it's like all my friends and social media. That's all anybody's talking about. Like, (laughs) the game. Like, let's talk about Drew Brees' hair. I don't know what he did. I don't care. I'm not going to judge him off it. He's been really good to me. And I know nothing else other than he's a really good guy. So, uh, good for him. And screw everybody else is what I said. It It looked great. It did look great. But in general terms, doesn't that piss you off, Sims, where you're breaking down football, giving great analysis, and all anyone's talking about on social media, it's like they're not even hearing you. They're just staring at Breeze's hair. (laughs) Yes, exactly right. You know, you're thinking like, man, I I wonder what people thought of, like, our breakdown in the pregame show and it was just yeah hair 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 <laughs> drew is cool customer man and he doesn't seem to like blink under the pressure or anything and hey he's not the first ex-football player to do that so uh right exactly you know, we've seen some other guys add some hair on their head too all right, last thing. Your boy Shadahan has a problem on his hands. Garoppolo looked really good. He wants to get Lance in there, I think, but Jimmy G looked really, really good. Yeah, I know. This is this is something that I talked about a lot in the summer with Florio because they're a Super Bowl team, period. Right. You know? I mean, what, what are you going to do? Bench them when you're 10-1? and one? Mm-hmm. Are you going to bench them if you go to the NFC? Are you going to just get rid of them if you go to the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl? You know, yes, it is an issue. Trey Lance, I, I get it. He's got talent. Uh, he does, but, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, and he's got a great supporting players around him. And, of course, Shanahan is as good as it gets as far as creative game planning. Yeah, I think in my heart of hearts, I'm like you. I think he really wanted Lance to be the guy before the season started for the reasons we're talking about. But Lance was so raw in the preseason games, I think he knew he just couldn't throw him out there yet. Lance wasn't ready. And it would compromise the team and put them in some tough spots. And he's got to go with Jimmy G right now. Was your dad one of the people who texted you about Breeze's hair? <laughs> no, he was not. No. He was, dad, he was. Is, dad is always football. I can't even get dad to ask about his grandkids, my kids. I can't. It's always. It's like, hey, did you watch this game? What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And I'm like, wait, I'm at my little boy's practice right now. He's like, who? I'm like, hey, we named him after you. His name's Philip. <laughs> you, you, you want to know how he's doing? What, how did I ask? You know, my, my daughter, Charlotte, he can go three weeks where he won't even bring up their name. He won't ask about my wife, my kids, or anybody. So, no, he's not looking at social media. Unbutton Podcast, check it out. He is the best in the business. Also a great dude as well. Uh, football Night in America, Sunday nights, PFT with Florio. He's hanging out with Drew Brees every weekend. He's a rock star. He's Chris Sims. He'll be with us every week. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. See you later. Be good. All right. It is time for this week's edition of Stu You Gots, where I pick five 
Count them. Five NFL games and five college football games. God bless football. Here are this week's picks. So we'll start the NFL with my five picks in the NFL. We're going to start with the New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston, five touchdowns, no interceptions in his first game. The Jags, Trevor Lawrence, three interceptions in his first game. Urban Meyer already looking at West to USC after a single NFL game. Now, Urban denied that, but I'm reporting that Urban is lying. Uh, We have the Saints minus three and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love the Saints defense. I love the Saints offense with Jameis Winston not throwing interceptions. Sean Payton, one of the best coaches in the NFL against a guy who has his eyes set clearly on Southern California. I am going to take the Saints here. Minus three and a half. Saints win it by a touchdown. We move on to Indianapolis where the L.A. Rams and Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. Man, did they look good in week one. They're taking on the Colts. Yep, I went there. The Rams, minus three and a half. What happened, Billy? What are you laughing at? God bless football. God bless football. I am taking Matthew Stafford and the Rams to win by 10 points in Indianapolis. My New York Jets. Oh, my New York Jets. Oof. Billy, you know, no 0-2 team made it to the playoffs last year. A bunch of must-wins coming up. Yeah, but Stugatz, 17-game season now. So you oh, think you're right. going 0-3. You're right. 0-3 is the new 0-2, and 0-4 is the new 0-3. God bless football. God bless football. <laughs> I don't even know what I just said. I don't know. Anyway, the Jets are at home. They're getting five and a half points. They're taking on the Patriots. Two rookie quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, of course, for the Jets. Mac Jones for the Patriots. I liked what I saw from Zach Wilson when given the time, and he didn't have much of it in the first half, but in the second half, when Zach Wilson could step into a throw, uh, he looked really, really good. So the Jets are plus five and a half. I am going to take the Jets here. I have the Patriots winning the game. They'll win it by a field goal, which means the Jets cover, so I win some money, even though I'll be miserable because the Jets lost. A little, oh, I was going to say win-win, but it's not. It's really a win-lose. Anyway, God bless football. Let's move on to the Chargers. The Chargers are minus three and a half. I am not certain the Chargers aren't the best team in the NFL. I'm serious. That defense is really good. Their quarterback is outstanding and will be outstanding for the next 15 years. The Chargers are minus three and a half against the Cowboys, who suffer another injury to Lawrence, their defensive end, one of the five best defensive ends uh, in the NFL. So the Chargers at home against Dallas. I'm going to take the Chargers here to win by two touchdowns over the Cowboys. The Chiefs, minus three and a half at the Ravens. Something's a little off with Kansas City, but you want to know what? Something's a little off with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. And and he's 0-3 lifetime against Patrick Mahomes. So even though this game is on the road, the Chiefs survived the scare last week with the Browns. I think the Chiefs play much better this week. I think they get into the 40s against the difficult Ravens defense because they're that good on offense. I have the Chiefs winning by 10 points. What do you think? Those are the five NFL picks. Now let's get to the five college picks. We have the game of the weekend, the Florida Gators. I'll be at that game. I'm going to wear a hazmat suit because I should. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Are you really going to that game? I am. I'm going up to the swamp. I don't feel comfortable going there. i got to be honest. Not only do you have Gainesville, Florida, which hasn't paid attention to this pandemic since it started, okay? But you have all the people coming in from Alabama, and Lord knows they're not paying attention to anything other than the Crimson Tide. I mean, that's it, you know? 
What do you think? <laughs> what do you mean? What do I think? What am I going to wear a hazmat suit? <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah, go to the game in a hazmat. Suit. A little hot though in the summer in a hazmat suit in Florida, you know. Anyway, I have Florida plus fourteen at home against Alabama. I think Alabama wins the game, obviously, but I think Florida is going to keep it a lot closer than people think. I have Alabama winning the game by a touchdown. We go to South Carolina. Finney was very excited, my dog, about that pick. We go to South Carolina and Georgia. Both teams 2-0. Georgia is laying 31 points against an undefeated team in South Carolina. Mike Golick, who is going to join us later, is calling that game. I am going to take Georgia to win the game, but South Carolina covers. Uh, Georgia wins by 21 points. BYU, Arizona State, two undefeated teams. Herm Edwards and them boys traveling on the road to Provo, Utah to take on BYU. Uh, I like Arizona State. I do. I think they're a good team. But BYU at home is difficult. Utah learned that last week. I have BYU winning this game. They're getting four and a half points. I have BYU winning the game outright by a field goal. Final game here. We go to Auburn and Penn State. One of the big games of the weekend. James Franklin, another coach who has his eyes set on USC. Looking at Southern California. Meanwhile, Auburn, their eyes are on Penn State. So when you have a coach whose eyes in Penn State, whose eyes are out west looking at another job, mm-hmm. and then you have Auburn, their eyes are looking squarely at James Franklin at Penn State. I'm going to go with the team who is focused on this game, and that team is Auburn. And they're getting five points to boot. So Auburn, they lose the game, but they cover as Penn State wins by a field goal. The very last second, James Franklin shifts his eyes from Southern California back to Penn State University, and they eke one out by a field goal. Those are the picks this week. Both NFL and college football, five picks each. I'm going to go 5-0 and in both college and the NFL. Those are the picks. We'll do it every week. Good luck, everyone. He does a college football game of the week. He does some NFL games. He does this college football trivia. He's doing P. Uh, he's doing the the Mike Florio show on NBC on Peacock on Mondays. I feel like this is a good entry point into yes. you hosting game shows after this, Mike. Oh, I would love to do that. You want to talk about things on the bucket list to do? I would love to host a game show. Really? Yes. I mean, you kind of are. <laughs> so, well, well, yeah, no, I am. But, you know, like one of those network ones, there, sure. are, there are two goals. Host a game show on a network or, you know, you know, a, a game show type thing and get killed in a movie. I, I want to be in an action movie. I've, I've told The Rock this. Dwayne Johnson, he's been on the show a number of times. And I said, I even told Howie Long when he did like what, Broken Arrow or whatever it was called right. when he was doing some action movies. But I told The Rock, I said, dude, I just, I don't want to line. I'm not trying to get into acting. I just want to be a bad guy who kills a couple of good guys. And then like, you blow my head off or you dismember me something. I want to die in a, in a horrific way on screen. That's, that's a true bucket list that I have. Do you want to have like your death drawn out where you have to like act out the death? Because I used to work with uh, with someone at a summer camp and her dad was like a uh, like an extra or like a stuntman or something. And I think he was like in one of the first bad boys and he like broke into an apartment and he got shot and had to flip over a couch, but you couldn't even see his face. So like, do you want it to be known like this is Mike Golick getting murdered as goon number three? Yes, I would like to be, I would like to have maybe a close-up of my head right before it explodes, you know, or because as a kid, we used to play a game in the basement called Who Falls the Neatest? 
And it was exactly that. You would, you would, we would play act a, a, a shoot 'em up movie, act like you're killing somebody, and see how well they fell, how well they, who falls to need us. It was basically in, in the title of our game. So I would love to act that out on the big screen. Yes. Who was the best at falling? Was it you, Bob? <laughs> we, we all did. We all did pretty good. You know, it right. started. It started. We kept trying to outdo one another. So we started throwing ourselves down steps, breaking furniture. <laughs> and Ma, Ma stepped in and said, all right, enough of this shit. You know, yeah, we can't. You guys are getting too big. You're too goofy. You can't be doing this anymore. I feel like Bob did you a disservice. Like he should have brought you on to Save by the Bell and somehow had a murder episode, even though obviously it didn't fit. But he should have had that done for you. Yeah, I, I could just see me getting a script for Saved by the Bell of college years, enter the dorm, and be decapitated. I mean, that really wasn't the thing. <laughs> it would have taken a show. turn, but. You know. <laughs> Wait, yeah. how about the Golics throwing themselves down staircases? Oh, yeah. We used to do that, and then we were we were lifeguards at the at the local pool, and we would when it was a break when when all the kids had to be out of the pool. Me and Bob and Greg would put on WWE shows off the diving boards, like throw each other off the diving boards and stuff. Yeah, it was a ball. I love it, uh, Mike. Let's start with uh, let's start with the college game. Do you have a college game this weekend? Yes, I have uh, South Carolina at Georgia this oh, weekend. Oh wow! So there are three games I really kind of have circled for this weekend for college football. That's one of them because South Carolina is two and zero. Georgia also right. two and zero. So I think a lot of people just assume Georgia is going to win that game and win it fairly easy. But I have had people tell me that South Carolina is a bit better than a lot of people think. So there's but there's no shot, Mike. That South Carolina. Well, South Carolina defense has to play incredibly well, and, and they have now their opponents haven't been Clemson like like Georgia played they played Eastern Illinois and East Carolina and they beat East Carolina on a game-winning field goal so they need to play a very stout defense this is the team by the way that has that GA who became the quarterback right. Zeb Nolan you know Luke Doty had, had, had was hurt and this is a guy who was actually the GA actually coaching a GA coach at South Carolina when the starting quarterback hurt his foot Shane Beamer, Frank Beamer's son, who coaches South Carolina, he actually said to Zeb, who was throwing balls to the wide receivers, you know, just running routes, he said, man, I wish you had another year of eligibility. And Zeb said, funny you should say that, I do. And they, all of a sudden, he's in uniform and the starting quarterback at South Carolina. It's an unbelievable story. Billy, are you pleased? Are you as pleased as I am to hear there's a uh, there's a Beamer, another Beamer roaming a sideline somewhere? There's always going to be a Beamer. <laughs> always, always. Put it on the polls. There's always going to be a Beamer. Uh, Mike, you mentioned UCLA and Stanford. So let's just like really start here and dig in for a second here. Stanford beats USC. USC fires Clay Helton. Yeah. Were you surprised that they fired the guy who had the most wins in USC history after his first two seasons coaching? Were you surprised? And then I'll be interested and I'll follow up with you on who you think is going to take that job. Listen, they, they've been trying to oust Clay Helton ever since they gave him the job full time. You're right. I mean, it, it's it's and I've never rooted for somebody more. He's a, he's a great dude. And all the, all they did as soon as he was hired full time is find everybody was looking for a reason to get rid of him. You know, all of a sudden he's winning. It's like, hey, you know, this is great. And then he'd lose a bad game and it'd be like, oh, we need to get rid of him. He's done all he can do. Listen to all the USC, you know, grads and alumni now saying, oh, it's time. Well, was it time when he was winning those games for you? But, you know, like some, you know, other coaches out there, he wasn't winning the games big enough or the big enough games enough. 
to where you finally just run out of time. And, you know, you got a, you got a quarterback who was considered a Heisman guy who considered maybe a first round guy. You always have talent on that team. So I'm sure the thought was we need to try and make hay now. We need to try and salvage something before the season gets out of hand and before we get too late in it. I think that's what I felt, but I think this guy has had fingerprints on his back for a long time and they were just looking for a reason to just shove hard over the cliff. All right, I want to know which coach you think called their agent the fastest once they heard that job became open. Was it James Franklin? Was it Lane Kiffin? Was it Luke Fickle? Or was it Urban Meyer? <laughs> well, you saw Urban Meyer already came out and said, you know, he's not interested. But That means he's lying, Mike. That means he's interested. Listen, we'll see after he's 2-14, and 14, you know, and has <laughs> lost more in one year of the pros than he did in how many years in college. Right. Um, I think this is going to go to a younger up-and-coming coach like a, a Luke Fickle. Unless they want to go back in time and go um, Lane yeah. Kiffin, who they fired on the tarmac. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and now but Lane, back- by, but Lane, by his own admission, said, I was not as mature as I am now. And I think we've all seen it play out where Lane has gotten more and more mature and is actually I, doing a, a good job. I agree with that, but I do not think they will take a quote-unquote retread back there. I think they're going to go young like a, like a Luke Fickle. Here's an interesting one you keep hearing, Mike. And I'm wondering if the job is attractive enough uh, where a coordinator in the NFL would leave it to go be the head coach at USC. Eric Bieniemy probably should have an NFL job by now. He does not. It's unfair. Mike, could you see him leaving Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs to take over a job? There aren't many in college where you would do this. USC right. is one of them. Could you see him doing that? So here's the thing. It's probably, you know, two or threefold. Um, what, what I don't know is what's going on in the interview process because everybody says he should be a head coach. He's interviewing for these jobs, and he's not getting them. So right. I, I don't know what's going on in that room. I don't know how he's interviewing. I don't know if that is the deciding factor in a lot of these or other guys are just interviewing better or whatever the reason is. We possibly know what, what some of the reason could be. We don't have a hell of a lot of minority coaches in the NFL. And as much as we don't want that to be the case, it's a damn shame. It still is. And it just, it blows my mind, but yet here we are. So here's the only problem. If you're USC, do you want to hire a coach? And well, well let me go this way first. Eric Bieniemy may feel he has to go coach college as a head coach to then show NFL uh, uh, or franchises and organizations that he has been a head coach, which is ridiculous because there have been so many coordinators hired over the last two years. Bieniemy shouldn't have to go be a head coach somewhere as long as he's interviewing well enough to warrant being a head coach. And then on the other side of that, would you, Stu, would you want to hire a coach? say just coach a forget it's eric Mm bianami at your college a big college like usc would you want to hire him knowing full well you're not keeping him knowing full well in one two three maybe four i doubt that long that he is going to be a head coach in the nfl because he is going he is most likely going to be a head coach in the nfl so in college where recruiting is your lifeblood, do you want to hire a coach that you know is going to be gone in a few years, which could interrupt the the um, the circle of recruiting? I'd like to know how much winning I'm going to do over those three years, four years. Uh, but to answer your question, no. I want well, someone. Well, you know what? You don't have to do a lot of a winning. Cliff Kingsbury didn't do a hell of a lot of winning <laughs> in college. And he's a head coach in Arizona. So That's a good point. It, yeah. you know, it's getting that head coaching experience. So I would ask you, 
you know, if Clark College was this monster football organization, right. you know, would would you want to hire a guy like Eric Bieniemy, knowing he's gone in two or three years, and then you have to start the process all over again? No, I would. I would want to. I would want to hire a guy that I know is going to be there for a while. Luke Fickle's a guy I could see staying at USC for the remainder of his career. Lane Kiffin is also a guy, Mike, he loves the college game. I don't think Lane Kiffin wants to go. He, he tried the NFL. I don't think he wants to go back there, right? I think Lane Kiffin would could stay at USC for the remainder of his career. So uh, those are the types of guys I'd kind of like to go with. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want a guy there for three or four years, and then he leaves me. So Clay Helton leaves, and I love what Nick Saban's doing. It's really the only college game I want to focus <laughs> yeah. on this week, but I love what he's doing. He, bring, he brings him in as a consultant to the football program. It's like, hey, whatever coaches don't make it, NFL or college, and you have a name, come to Alabama, I'll rehabilitate you, and you'll get a head coaching job. It is <laughs> stunning, <laughs> Stu. It, it, this, this dude has the most it's influence, I think, yes. in college or pro. Because it, pro guys. Pro guys, when they lose their job, like Bill O'Brien, are coming to be analysts for him. And I love the whole analyst thing. You know, if people don't understand of of what's saying, wait, how can Nick have all these people? Well, if you're an analyst, you can't be on the field. And and really, they can get caught doing that. So I'm sure that they aren't for the most part. But you can be working off the field. So basically, you can have, I believe, as many as you want, as long as only X amount are on the field. So you have all these unbelievably experienced uh, coaches that are breaking shit down for you. I mean, my God. But but it's a guy who loses coaches every year. So this is his way of, of trying to keep the norm. It's ridiculous. And they'll be there like a year or maybe two, yeah, yeah. and then they'll just be refreshed with some other former NFL coach. Well, well, right. And Nick knows that. And, and you know what? The coaches know it. It's kind of like the coaches in all the sports that don't get that job for a year, and they go work in broadcasting for a year, right? And then yeah. they get back into the mix for coaching. Yeah. Now it's going to broadcasting or go work for Nick and then get back in the business. It's yeah, the college work. basketball one and done. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. <laughs> I'm going to work for Nick. I don't need to do the broadcasting. Uh, Mike, do, do the Gators. So the game's in Gainesville. It's at the Swamp. Uh, Alabama is a heavy favorite still. This is what I always say, Mike. Now, Nick Saban's the best coach perhaps we've ever seen. He's certainly the best coach going right now. And, of course, that coaching staff in Alabama has been overwhelming. Um, but the game is at the Swamp. And I would say that Florida and Alabama, for the most part, have the same athletes, okay? There's not a huge difference in the type of athlete playing at the University of Florida as there is playing at the University of Alabama. Where Alabama probably has them is coaching. So can you envision a scenario where Florida springs an upset here at the Swamp? I I would be stunned. I mean, so far they've played Florida Atlantic and South Florida. So, you know, and, and they weren't really challenged in either one of those games. But you're right. You're absolutely right about the type of athlete that you get what Alabama has is, you, and we certainly could say coaching, but they also have more depth of great players as well. They could roll more guys in. You know, that's why they're not one of those teams that has all these super seniors on it like other teams do because their guys go to the pros. They're right. not coming back for another year, right. because, you know, and they just refill the slot with another four and five star. But I think what Alabama does so well is they just kind of roll up on you. They just – you know, it, it may be close for a bit, but they just lean on you and lean on you and lean on you. And for the most part, they play better disciplined football 
than you do. And eventually that catches up with you. A lot of times you don't win the game. The other team loses a game when you make a mistake. So you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And the other team makes a mistake. Boom, you capitalize it. You know, now you're up 10 instead of three. Then you're up 13. Then you're up 17. And then what you do is you get the other team to, to get out of their game plan. And that's when you start to roll it up more and more on them. So uh, will this be a tough game for Alabama? It, it, listen, it certainly could be. Right. Uh, but I, I would ex- still expect Alabama to be a double-digit win in this one. Mike, looking at the NFL, I'm watching that Browns-Chiefs game play out, and Billy and I both think the Chiefs aren't what they used to be, okay? I mean, they used to put up 40 and 50 burgers. Now Just a step behind. <laughs> little off. Just a little off, Mike. But were you more impressed with the Chiefs in that win or the Browns losing that game? It's a crazy See, so, question, but I love what the Browns did in that game. So I'm going to disagree about thinking the Chiefs aren't as good. What happens in the NFL is everybody catches up. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, they, they do. You're that good. Right. But you then learn how to defend things a little more and you get better talent around you. Cleveland has done an unbelievable job uh, from a management standpoint of getting talent around them, uh, getting talent on that field. So I think Kansas City, are they as good? Maybe not as good. But I think it's the other teams learning how to defense a little more and, and catching up more to Kansas City than anything else. And Cleveland is certainly is close. I mean, without question. Really? You know, from last year's division of playoff to here, I, you know, that one interception at the end was, was Baker trying to throw it away when he got tripped up and it didn't make it out of bounds. I mean, you're driving down for the winning touchdown. I know. Well, there are no moral victories in the NFL. If I'm a Browns fan, I, I'm, I'm ecstatic. So you didn't buy into our thought process that Kansas City's <laughs> lost a step. How about you try this take on for size? Okay. Rodgers, tanking week one. <laughs> you can't just say Aaron Rodgers tanking week one without explaining why he tanked. Mm, send a message. It was a yeah. statement game. He was yeah. trying to say, you know what? You like this love? Go ahead. Put him in. I dare you. I'm going to keep throwing interceptions. I'm going to play poorly so you get this love. <laughs> Don't cross me again. You drafted my replacement. I am going to tank and throw my deceptions until you sit me so I can remain healthy for the Broncos next season. Mm-hmm. How about that? I dare you. Uh, I I uh, I would highly disagree with that. He hates us, Philly. <laughs> I just, I just, the, the conspiracy, you guys might as well should have tinfoil caps on with your conspiracy theories. Let's do that, Bill. <laughs> yeah, you, you need Next to do week. This, Listen, this is the guy who's got an ego. There's no doubt about it. This is a guy who's a little sensitive uh, as well, but he's also a guy that would never, I, I don't think, ever not show the talent that he has. He's a reigning MVP. I mean, they were they were horrible. I, I, I could get into more of Devontae Adams may not want to be there anymore. Uh, Aaron Rodgers knows it's his last year. Probably not the greatest locker room in the world going on right now. Uh, and they got absolutely smoked. But to think that Aaron isn't playing at his best, to think that any you know that anybody would think, oh yeah, Aaron's doing this on purpose to let love come in. So he's. I, I just. I don't. Me personally, I don't buy it. Mike, Jameis had five touchdowns and zero interceptions. Aaron, zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Like, something was going on. He can put the ball wherever he wants, Mike. He was putting it in the other team's hands. It wasn't. Listen, it, it wasn't pretty. There's no doubt about that. It wasn't pretty. But, you know, it's not the first and second interception he's thrown in his life either. 
Mike, the game of the weekend, at least for me this weekend, is your Philadelphia Eagles taking on the San Francisco 49ers. I love what Jalen Hurts does on a football field. Are you as impressed as I am with Jalen? Well, you know, between Jalen and Tua, I always thought the two Alabama quarterbacks, you know, that had to keep proving themselves. Tua has a job in Miami, but they were openly trying to trade for Deshaun Watson before his issues. And Jalen, you know, got the job because they traded away Carson Wentz, but nobody's really sure if he's the guy. I love what Jalen did. Absolutely love what he did. And what a great test for him against this defense. You know, Nick Bosa and this San Fran defense, who, by the way, Panay Sewell for Detroit, who was a right tackle, left tackle at Oregon, right tackle at Detroit, but started the first game at left tackle, actually did a pretty decent job uh, against Nick Bosa, who got a sack later in the game. But I love this matchup. I love what Jalen Hurts is doing. I love how smart he's being with the football and how he uses his legs. He still wants to make the throw down the field. He knows he can be dangerous with his legs, but he knows it's better to, to if you get out of the pocket, to stay behind the line and make a big play with your arm instead of your legs. This is a great matchup, and San Francisco did exactly what they should do in starting Garoppolo and not Trey Lance because you have a playoff-ready team, a team that can go deep into the playoffs, and you put the guy in that's going to be more consistent, and that's Garoppolo. So I'm with you. What, what a matchup this is. Because last year, Philadelphia had all these injuries, at least going into week two. Uh, they're, they're, they're fairly healthy at this point. It's the Baltimore Ravens who are the mass unit. But I, I do love this matchup as well. All right, Mike. Uh, we appreciate the time. Get out of here. We know you got 14 trivia games to host. You got nine games to call, 15 shows to host. Getting murdered in movies. And yeah, we're getting murdered. <laughs> I want to make this happen for Mike. I always have time for you, Stu. I always have time for you. All right, but I, I just want to be clear as, as we do this moving forward, okay? Um, when Billy and I come up with crazy, wacky conspiracy theories, what you would like on our head is tinfoil. Is that yes, okay. I need a tinfoil cap on your head, and okay. we need some sort of music, some sort of like, um, you know, crazy, you know, like uh, Twilight X-Files. Zone music. Right, like X-Files. X-Files or, or Twilight Zone for those old enough <laughs> to remember that show. Okay, because I promise you, Billy and I will have these every, every, every week for you. Good, <laughs> good. And I definitely, definitely want that. It'll probably be a knockoff version of those songs because, like, if he can't pay you, then it's not going to be paying for the actual music. So that's a good point. That's a good point. You can make something up. All right, Mike, get out of here. Have a good weekend. That's it for this week. Uh, Billy, before we get out of here, please give everyone the information on our DraftKings Fantasy Football Contest again. DKNG.co slash Levitard. Show your friends, show your family how much more about fantasy football you know than Stugatz and myself because we don't know anything. It's a $3 entry. A 1,000 people can get in. $3,000 to the winner. I'm going to win that thing every goddamn week. How about that? I, I don't think you will. You're probably right. Uh, thank you to uh, Chris Sims. Thanks to Mike Golick Sr. God bless football. God bless football. God bless football. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.